Bless as you comes in the name of the Lord of hosts. Bless, O Lord, the reading of the Holy Gospel according to St. Luke. Glory to Savior, King of us all, Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, to whom be the glory forever. into a city called Nain, and many of his disciples went with him and a large crowd. And when he came near the gate of the city, behold, a dead man was being carried out, the the only son of his mother. And she was a widow, and a large crowd from the city was with her. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her, and said to her, Do not weep. Then he came and touched the open coffin, and those who carried him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. So he who was dead sat up and began to speak, and he presented him to his mother. Then fear came upon all, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has risen up among us, and God has visited his people. And this report about him went out throughout all Judea and all the surrounding regions. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today is the fourth Sunday of the Coptic month of Baba and the gospel reading for this Sunday is the story of our Lord Jesus Christ raising the son of the widow of Nain. It's a really short uh, story, but just like most passages in the Bible, it contains lots of layers of meaning and all of them uh, are true and not superseding or contradicting each other, but reveals for us sort of like a divine truth and a lesson for us. Uh, Our Lord Jesus Christ, the giver of life, comes to the gates of the city of Nain and there he is met with, he is coming as in, a, in, a, in his own procession, he has his, his disciples and the people around him, and he is met by a funeral procession. So our Lord Jesus Christ approaches us and our broken world, and immediately what he is faced with, he is faced with death, and he is faced with extreme or profound sorrow. And he meets the corpse, not of some old person who was full of years, but a young person uh, a youth whose life was cut short before it really uh, had begun, and he he meets uh, the mother of this uh, of this young man who is now totally alone with no husband and no child, only uh, this dead boy, and he meets us as a widowed humanity with the hope of the future, lying dead in a coffin, and about to be cast into the cold earth, right, going back into the dust where it became, and a place like paradise where. 
the people were supposed to be is sort of completely unfamiliar to them, something that they even are now questioning uh, its existence at this point. There are many spiritual lessons and many important truths that the Holy Spirit speaks to us by the mouth of the evangelist St. Luke, whose uh, feast we celebrate today. But above all, the thing that I want to talk about or the thing that I want to meditate on is the weeping of the widow. Isaac the Syrian, uh, when he was asked, you know, what is the work that a monk should do to occupy himself when he's secluded in his cell? He replied that there is only one task that can possibly occupy a monk who is truly seeking his salvation, to weep constantly for his soul slain by sin. So to look honestly at ourselves, to not only acknowledge, but like to really truly and vividly see and to weep over our sin and our death and our corruption that is within us is the main chief task not only of anybody who is a monastic but also of every Christian. Adam and Eve, when they sinned, what did they do? They hid their nakedness in the garden. They hid from the voice of God. And we, their sons and daughters, have occupied ourselves with doing the same thing, trying to hide ourselves from God. Our Lord Jesus Christ, when He approached the widow, and he, the first thing He said to her is, Do not weep. He doesn't say, Do not weep, in order to show that, for example, like we're not supposed to weep for the dead. Right? He Himself, when He raised Lazarus, He wept. He also wept for many people who would later suffer in the falling of Jerusalem. And lastly, actually, He, played, he, he praised and He blessed those who were weeping. He said, Blessed are those who weep for, or mourn, for they shall be comforted. For us, nothing, nothing can be so cleansing and calming as tears. Like in, in, in the Orthodox understanding, tears are the first means of cleansing our souls, cleansing our hearts, cleansing our minds. So not only uh, should we weep over the dead, but we also weep over the living, especially ourselves. Our Lord Jesus Christ actually commanded this or, or, or recommended this to the women of Jerusalem when he was on his way for his crucifixion. He says, weep not for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. But you know, there's a difference between one kind of tears and another. Because actually St. Paul the Apostle, he commands the people in Thessalonians, he says, that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope, like the pagans and the godless, for they mourn their dead as utterly lost. So there is an ungodly weeping as well, a weeping with no hope. But tears in orthodox understanding are a gift. In, in sorrow, they are part of healing process. In repentance, they are part of a second baptism that leads us to genuine healing, leads us to confession, leads us to absolution, leads us to reconciliation with God and to the community, to the church. The world today is overflowing with ways to hide our nakedness and our spiritual death from ourselves and from one another. We can distract ourselves with entertainment, with work, with drugs, with fine dining. We can recreate our, for ourselves any image of our choosing with clothes, with exercise, right? Through social media. We can define sort of our tastes, our opinions, our political party, our gender. And we can even, if we choose, we could wear a mask of piety. Define ourselves by our prayer rules, our fasting, our impeccable church attendance, our strict observance of all the canons. So we are given sort of every tool by the devil to prevent us from ever really coming to know our true self. 
And we're eager sometimes to do the devil's work in hiding from ourselves. Because we know deep down we're not going to like what we see. Nobody wants to look into their heart when what they know that they will see is a corpse. Someone who is in need of being raised. But our Lord Jesus Christ said, Blessed are those that mourn. Not because He wants us to be depressed. Not because He wants us to always be sad. Not because He wants us to always be full of guilt and tormented. But because it is only the people who mourn that are going to be comforted. It's only the people who see the truth about themselves who are capable of being changed. Had the widow stayed home and drowned her sorrow and just sitting there and crying or fled to a distant land in search of some sort of cure for her son, she wouldn't have met the Lord. It was by standing next to the coffin and by weeping that she received her dead son restored back to life. It was because of our Lord Jesus Christ's compassion for the widow, that's what the Gospel tells us, that the Lord was moved to raise the young boy to life. It says in verse 13, When the Lord saw her, He had compassion on her. So it was because He had compassion on her that He rose the son from the dead. This is an extremely important point in today's Gospel story. The Lord did not raise this young man for His own sake only. He didn't raise him so that he could live a full and happy life in this world and you know get a taste of the pleasures of this world marry a beautiful wife raise a family achieve a successful career this isn't why our Lord Jesus Christ raised the man the Lord raised the young boy for the sake of his mother that's not some sort of like incidental small part of the gospel story all throughout the ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ on earth he is constantly working miracles, healings, resurrections, and even forgiveness of sins for the sake of those who are loved. We see it again and again and again. Actually, uh, in the, for example, the centurion and his servant, the ruler of the synagogue and his daughter, the paralytic that we read a few weeks ago, the resurrection of Lazarus after four days, all of these were for the sake of others. So we have to remember that for us too, our resurrection both our spiritual resurrection and the resurrection of the body, is not given to us just for our own sake, but also for the sake of those around us. Those who love us, those who pray for us. Also even for the sake of those who hate us and do us wrong. Above all, our resurrection is given to us for the sake of our own mother. Who is our mother? The church. So that we can become truly her faithful children. The church fathers tell us that the young boy who sat up and spoke after the Lord raised him in today's gospel symbolizes the Christian person who speaks instruction, edification, holiness to those around him after his return from spiritual death. So when I am raised up again in spiritual, from spiritual death, you know, I'm going in the wrong direction and God lifts me up and allows me to speak. For what purpose? To speak the word of God. This is what the church father tells us about this, these events. For each and every one of us, it has to be made manifest. Our resurrection has to be made manifest in our deeds, in our way of life, in the love that we have for one another. That love, by the way, which our Lord Jesus Christ said, that's how they're going to know if you're Christians, by your love. One small detail also that I wanted to point out in the events of today's gospel, 
How did our Lord Jesus Christ raise this person from the dead? It says in verse 14, Then he came and touched the open coffin, and those who carried him stood still. He came and touched the coffin. And then he spoke to the man and told him to rise. If you see or if you read the passage right before this passage that we read in the Gospel, it's the story of the healing of our Lord Jesus Christ healing the servant of the of the centurion. Can you remember how did they heal how did he heal the centurion's servant? He doesn't go to him, he doesn't touch him, he doesn't even say a command. He simply tells the centurion that his servant would be healed, and he found his servant healed when he returned to his house. St. Cyril of Algeria tells us that the reason he not only speaks to the man telling him to rise, but also you know, touches him as well, is so that we could learn and know that the holy body of our Lord Jesus Christ is effective for the salvation of mankind. The flesh of the word of God is life itself. So St. Cyril is, actually even when he continues in talking about this, he makes his very famous analogy, of Christ's flesh being like iron in contact with fire. When it's brought into contact with fire, the iron produces the effects of fire and fulfills the functions of fire. And in the same way, the flesh of the Word of God who gives life to everyone also has the power of giving life and annihilates the influence of death and corruption. This is why we as Orthodox Christians hold the Eucharist in highest regard. We believe that we are truly partaking of His Flesh, the same flesh that just by touching this man raised a man from the dead. The flesh that was able to stop a flow of blood when someone just touched the garments that were resting on top of it. Not only do we hold it in high regard, but we believe the partaking of the Eucharist can truly change us. Being touched by God, there is no way I could leave that encounter unaffected. This is why I prepare myself for the Eucharist have vespers, have midnight praises to prepare my soul. I confess before communion in order to offer repentance, to sort of present myself unblemished. I fast from the night before to show God that the only sustenance that I desire is from Him. May our Lord Jesus Christ also touch us, delivering us from evil works, delivering us from fleshly lusts, so that we can unite with Him in the assembly of the saints in the church, because He is the giver of all good things, and glory be to God forever and ever. Amen. Blessed are they.